and welcome to episode number 36 of the ET PhD team podcast with myself Anna and Louie. Hi Anna. Hello, how are you? I am well, thank you, how are you? Yeah, not bad, thank you. You know one of those weeks where you feel like your brain's got all the tabs open all at once? <laughs> Can't really. <laughs> no? no? It's been, uh, I just constantly feel like I've forgotten something because yeah. my brain's just like overthinking all the time. But it is fine. <laughs> Other than that, fine. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, like just before this, I was like, oh, I've just forgotten something that I need to do for tomorrow. So, yeah can relate how are you Louis? um I'm fine as well I can I can very much relate to that as well um <laughs> just that you like constantly got that nagging worry it's like when you've done you've had like a deadline hanging over you and it's you've handed it in and then you're like I think I've forgotten something but I, ha- I know I haven't and you're like but there's, I sh- I've got that looming thing of but you should be doing something right now what is it so yeah um but yeah, I'm okay. Thank you. How are you? Good. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm good. Other than realising I've got this thing to do for tomorrow. So, but that's fine. <laughs> Everything is fine. We find time, right? Like I, 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 I was speaking to my friend about this. Like we were talking about getting stressed because obviously my hair's fallen out and my dentist told me that I've been clenching my jaw because of stress. And I think I said this last week and I'm, all my inside of my cheeks are now like, are all cut and bent. They were like, it's because of stress. And I knew I was talking to my friend about this and, and she was like, Well, do you feel stressed now? And I'm like, I really don't. I think when you become when you start being more aware of it, and I don't know if you guys have experienced this like through your own like I say meditation practices, but your own work in whatever way that your meditation looks for you guys. But like you get to the point where it's like, I'm stressed, but I know that everything will get done. Like I'm so busy right now, but I don't feel stressed because ultimately it will all get done. And it's so different to like, I'm talking a long time ago, maybe when I was like, let's go all the way back to school, which was a long time ago. And you'd be so stressed with exams and stuff and you would physically feel like you throw up and you would cry because you're so stressed. Now it's like, you kind of have that underlying feeling of, yeah, I've got all of this stuff to do and I don't know when I'm going to do it. But on, but on the whole, you're, you're kind of pretty chill. It's quite, it's, it's quite nice. I mean, mm. yeah, let's go with relatively chill. <laughs> I'm not crying into my computer screen because I've got too much to do. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I remember those feelings from like when I'd have hand ins and you're like, I've got to do this assignment by this day, and you're like, but I'm not not going to get it done. Like it's not going to be enjoyable, but it's like it, there's no way that I'm not getting it done. So you just sort of crack on with it because you're like stressing about not getting it done is just waste energy because that's not going to happen. That's not possible. I'm not going to allow that to happen. But it is. Um, you just a bit more zen about it you're like I can feel the pressure but you're like but it's fine yeah yeah it's a nice place it's a nice place to be but yeah maybe speak to me again in a week right <laughs> um have we, got, have we got any fitness news to talk about this week I don't think we do no I don't think so today was interestingly world world obesity day today oh. was yeah today was also world book day and then this week is Eating Disorder Awareness Week. Interesting that they've got World Obesity Day in the midst of Eating Disorder Awareness Week. And there's no reason why it shouldn't, but it's interesting that they fall within the same week. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't I don't really have much to say on any of those things, really. I kind um, 
I've watched all the fitness posts. Sorry, I've watched all the fitness posts come out of this is my journey of eating disorders and stuff. And and I was I was thinking about them this year because I've done a post similar before, and there's and this is not a criticism of these posts at all. I think this year I've kind of had to think of taking a step back and thought again. This kind of plays into the idea that eating disorders look a certain way, and. That's one thing that doesn't really sit well with me anymore. It's kind of like, this is what I used to look like, and this is what eating disorder looks like. And it looks different on everyone, so I don't don't have a negative opinion of them, but for me personally, I thought, mm, I'm not sure that I want to go down that route. And then I was t- I put my post up about it, and the irony of, like, I'd seen a few people put posts up, like, this is my eating disorder journey, and, and these people are the people that potentially do put out problematic content. And it runs so true to me of like that idea of when people when it's Mental Health Awareness Day and people talk like are like be kind, you know, like encouraging men especially to talk. And then the other three hundred sixty four days of the year, it's it's calling people f and c words and making memes of people. And and it's I kind of saw that kind of what's the word I'm looking for, like a mirroring of that same sort of thing this week. It's just, I don't know, and it's not a criticism of anyone at all. It's just the idea of we, it's again, like, we want awareness, right? And these days are there for us to create and promote awareness of these things. But again, it comes down to, well, what are you doing on the other 365 days, or in this case, 358 days of the year? Are you you actually encouraging this, or are you encouraging something else with your messaging? Um, And I don't normally think about it like that, but this year, I don't know, it's all a little bit different. Have you guys seen anything like good or? Um, I I see a lot of. I think, from I've become a quite quite negative about the fitness industry probably in the last few months. Um, not I think there's a good core group of people, and I know a lot of those within. Like we speak about them a lot, and they're genuinely good people. But I think there's a huge part of the fitness industry that will say whatever it takes to be relevant on that day and I've seen people within the same few days I don't know if I spoke about this before I might have done but I spoke to someone about it about they try and preach they preach about being kind and compassionate but then um and that we shouldn't judge people on their body image but then same within a same breath um having a picture of like shaming Boris Johnson and his obesity strategy and going well this is the clown in charge of our country and for me, I, I took a step back and I was just like, what, how people do some things is how people do everything is what I've, I can't remember where I read that. And I think there's, with Instagram, I think there's a lot of disingenuous messages from people and especially with such emotive and triggering topics this week around eating disorders and I just hope that some people have taken a step back and read your post and sort of went, and maybe reflected on the stuff that they're putting out more often because mm-hmm. I think um, people, I think as a team, we're really considered in what we post and sort of consider how it can be taken and the words that we use and the imagery that we use. Um, and I don't feel that's a, the same across a lot of people. So hopefully people will start to reflect on what they talk about all the time and how they display their messages. And I know, I know sometimes that, people post certain things because it works for algorithms in a certain way and that gets good engagement but if that's 
being disingenuous then is that what you want to do and so yeah it's a it's a difficult place i think and um but hopefully a lot of people reflect on the messages the last few days and especially with it being um eating disorders awareness week um a lot of people will hopefully it will resonate with them as well yeah i mean a little realistically and I don't know how it works for men, but like myself and Anna could put like a bikini picture up and get twice as many likes, follows from it than we would if we put up an infographic. And you see it with like bikini athletes or even my old posts, right? If I put an old picture up, I could get, on the outside anyway, I'll, I'll maybe get 1,500 likes, but an infographic will be 400. And it's just like, so you can understand why people do it, but it's, yeah, it's, it's really problematic. And I, I thought twice about putting my post up. I was kind of really, really careful about how I worded it. I wrote it out. I don't normally write things out a few times, but I did with this because I I didn't want... I love the fitness industry, so I don't want to be... I don't want to shame it, and I don't want to slate it. But we do have to hold ourselves accountable. I think that we're not great at holding ourselves accountable on the whole. Like myself included in the past, we can get very defensive, usually out of a place of fear. Um but so I was very cognizant of how I was writing, <laughs> trying to not piss anyone off. I'm sure, that, I'm sure that I did, but that was the nature of it. Um, okay, questions. Um, this, yeah, I've, I think I've got quite a long list of questions in a and in a very grateful way. Um, so I'm going to I'm going to start it. That one's very long, so I'm going to start with this one. Um, oh, okay. Where, okay, where or how did you learn so much about the menstrual cycle? We haven't really covered it in great deal at all at uni so far, and I really think my knowledge could improve in this area. I think this was a podcast question. Um, I would love to learn more about it. Um, I learned from, I learned from research. Realistically, you're like this, so this person who's asked this question is very well educated in this type of area. and. Um, yeah, you, you don't get taught. It kind of comes down to that old age, old, like, unis don't really teach you often how to be, to apply what you learn in a real-life setting a lot of the time, and that's a lot of the issues with some courses. And I don't just mean nutrition, I mean in general. Um, but I would say nothing that I nothing that I talk about or use with clients or teach, I'd say 95% of that I got from research in the last couple of years, I, or my own reading I don't think really much of it came from uni at all um and I think that's what kind of sets in terms of like nutritionists and stuff and you guys will be the same here that's what sets good nutritionists apart like everyone can do a nutrition course everyone can go to uni but it's not it's not doesn't teach you how to be a good nutritionist or especially you're not a good coach and like that's why we make EIQ nutrition because of that very reason like we know the quality of nutrition advice on a PT course but we also know the level of applicability in a lot of nutrition courses it's like you can't I'd say that's probably across most industries though to be fair you only can get taught so much like I think of like my sister and her degree she's she's um in like graphics and film and tv you shouldn't do it like particularly do much about uni it comes from what you do after it right I think that's the same with anything mm. um okay I was going to throw in there that yeah it, I again my degree didn't really teach me anything around dealing or even considerations of how you deal with males and females potentially differently in your approach or different athletes at different points there was 
there wasn't so much a focus on using your knowledge it was like here is the mechanisms learn them um and then there's been some interesting like this research in the last few years has really sort of been or been more uh easier to find is probably the phrase i'm looking for easy to find the last few years in regards to female menstrual cycle but as a male like it like i wouldn't have had to even experience it and if you're it could be quite easy as a male going to this industry as a PT or whatever to go into the industry and not even consider that aspect and then work with females and just assume, well, yeah, just deal with it kind of thing. But when you work with certain individuals and you realize that some people, their menstrual cycle might not really affect them throughout the months, but then others that can be really, really debilitating at certain points. And we might really need to adjust like nutrition, training, all that around it. Um, it's again, it's that individualized approach that you probably have to, one be exposed to in order to actually realize you don't know anything about it but also be interested in as well because being exposed to individuals you realize that not everyone's going to fit what the research suggests you've got to personalize them as well um so Lou, did you get all of your information about the menstrual cycle from the male pts doing reels yeah, the ones that were really effective were the ones where they just um, put a really catchy song on and don't say anything <laughs> and just point at words. And I found that <laughs> was the most effective way of learning about menstrual cycles for me. Uh, yeah, yeah, and uh, that doesn't surprise me at all. I saw one recently that was um, a man, a male PT, staring just very intently into the camera. And the song was, in the background, the lyrics were, I still want you. And the caption was, it, your weight is supposed to, your weight of, will always fluctuate during the menstrual cycle and it was just the song playing with him staring at the camera and I thought have you thought about this <sighs> is this an intentional thing I couldn't quite <laughs> figure it out but it's like thank you Neil PT for still saying you want me when my weight fluctuates across the menstrual cycle it was very it was the oddest oddest thing um and I did a podcast last week with um a a uh, coach who I really like called Georgina and she is doing EIQ actually and she started sending me these reels of these <laughs> fans playing and I was using you as an example here. I was like male coaches are absolutely able to talk about periods and absolutely able to coach with coach through the menstrual cycle and educate as well but there's a way to do it that's not completely mansplaining it as if it's like <laughs> Like, I would never say, I would never put a post up and say, do you know what? When you get kicked in the nuts, it's going to hurt, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I still want you. Like, I, I wouldn't, because it's like, it's, and it's the same thing. Like, yes, you can say, this is what I could say. This is what happens when you get kicked in the nuts. This physiological process might happen. Great. But that's kind of the extent of it. It's just, it's very, it's very odd. And it's because, it's because people know that it's a pain point for people with menstrual cycle, like, and it's half the population, right? And we, well, a lot of us will go through it, so they know if we if we can think that we can fix it in some way, they know that that's kind of it makes women feel heard. Mm-hmm. It's horrible. It's such a buzz at the minute, isn't it? Like everybody's yeah. talking about it, which is great, but just yeah, be better. <laughs> yeah, be better. Do better. And know better because actually a lot of the problems. Oh, I know, I know. I I there's a guy I used to work with who I absolutely like. He's the nicest person, but 
see some of his stuff and I'm just like, oh, no, please, <laughs> don't, no, no. <laughs> Never mind. Maybe I'll uh, I'll uh, have to send him a link to EIQ, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's, it is. It's just like I think speaking around metrocycle absolutes is really, really worrying. Anyway, if someone's going, this will definitely happen. You should not train heavy at this part of the time of the month because some people that's that's fine. Oh, that might be a necessity that they're. They, they've got a competition coming up and that's the right time to peak for their competition. They just have to sort of deal with it, which is unfortunate. But when you've got um, a male talking about something in absolutes that only involves females and go, well, you'll be fine to do this here. And someone's like, well, no, actually, I might not be. And there needs to be that understanding, one, that absolutes are very rare within fitness and health nutrition, but also empathy and be like understanding that just because when someone says they're in pain that's they they are in pain in their mind and you can't argue and tell them telling them that they're not going to be in pain is not going to help anyone in that situation so understanding just like okay so on a scale of one to ten how bad is it and where do you feel you might be and there's certain things that we might be able to do to mitigate some aspect of that but there might be some aspect of well this is as good as it's going to get so we're going to have to learn to work our way around or embrace it and having that level of openness and understanding but like I think we spoke about this before men aren't exposed to anything to do with periods for well you could avoid it pretty much for most of your life if you really tried and and I think that that's something that we need to break down because I, I talk about periods quite openly with female friends and, and colleagues and clients and it's there's nothing taboo about it it's normal it's natural to menstruate and understanding and it, it takes away that that awkwardness it's just like well I'm, I'm due on at this time like oh I'm, I'm feeling really hungry but I'm due on you're like oh that's cool well, that's good that you're, you're in tune with that like it's good that you realize those sort of signs coming on and all these types of things but understanding and empathizing that that if there is potentially mood swings being able to understand that it's oh it could be down to this and maybe I should we could discuss this that I could be potentially less irritating around these this time of the month and like I and we could have that open conversation where she's like oh I'm, I'm due on so just, I might be a bit irritable I'm like oh, okay sweet we can roll with it and it's just having that open dialogue again communication is key Anna yes. question yes let's uh go with um vaguely related i'm just wondering if you guys know of any research done on the pill and if being on it a long time 10 years ish could have any consequences either pros or cons um that's more of a medical question um I don't know enough about the medical side of things, the clinical side of things to comment on that. So I'm not going to do that. In terms of what we are kind of more qualified to talk about, the more shorter terms of oral contraceptives are really debated. And I looked through the wealth of research of this for EIQ and the impact of, of oral contraceptives on things like BMR is debated, on body weight is debated. Um, on strength changes across the menstrual cycle is debated hunger debate is all debated so 
without there's no real kind of clear answer here if but I would say genuinely if you that's something that is of interest or concern it's definitely something to speak to your doctor about because it's beyond our scope in terms of long-term use of it and just a question that Amelia just because you've read a lot of the research around it is that is it debated due to a lack of depth of research or is it that yeah is it a lack of available research yeah yeah great question both it's it's a lack of um the quantity the quality of research is poor but the quantity is also poor so the research we do have there's no robust evidence in either direction in terms of like menstrual cycle research because women are so individual because we have so many variations month to month as well as between individual people um it's really obviously really hard to do like you know but the in general like the actual there was a, a couple of meta, meta-analysis done in 2020 one on oral contraceptives and one on periodizing training and both of them found actually like low to moderate effect sizes low to moderate quality of research like it just there's just nothing it's just not robust enough to to get anything which is which is why it's so ridiculous that people are so sure about things when it comes to periods but which is also why we're like I'm being really sketchy with this answer because there's just nothing concrete to kind of comment on other than speak to your doctor if it's a concern yeah awesome um my question so we will go with one that Amelia you spoke you posted about today but it's more of a general recommendation but because it's world book day what are your favorite books and we'll start with Amelia okay my top five <laughs> I guess it's supposed to today I was thinking about which one's supposed to be because I was like do I do relationship to food do I do general yeah so I put my top five on I think my five was love factually which is really good for um your relationship to other people if you've ever heard of attachment styles it delves into attachment styles but it's very evidence-based they talk about they put a lot of research into the book it's it's she's it's great it was actually really hard for me to get I tried to get a copy from my friend after I read it and it was near impossible that was like a year ago so love actually is great if you're a relationships type of person and you can do like that stuff then number four was I think for me it Clark Toll Power of Now which was fantastic that and A New Earth but I don't have the hard copy of A New Earth I listen to it so they are both great in terms of becoming more present, more mindful. My third favourite was Untamed because it's just fantastic. Actually, I got it's my little sister's birthday. Happy birthday to my sister! <laughs> um, it's her birthday today, so I actually bought her a copy of Untamed for her birthday. She'll have it now, so that's fine. That's just obviously fantastic. Number two, I think I had Bruni Brown Daring Greatly, which is. The first book of Brunei's I read that was all it's all about vulnerability and courage and bravery and leaning into feelings and it was one of I think it was the book I started reading when I went when I had a bit of a breakdown. So that was that's a really great book. And then my number one was The Untethered Soul because that's a very, very spiritual book. I think you have to be in the right place to, to really get that book and love that book. But it's one of those it's it's a book that actually formed a lot of the work that we do. It's formed a lot of the resources that I've made as for our clients around calling yourself out on your thoughts, um, the way that you speak to yourself, the stories that you tell yourself. That book kind of formed a lot of that. So I think that book is fantastic. 
and that would be my top five I think mm, I think when you recommended uh Untethered Soul to me you said it is a little bit airy-fairy but stick with it <laughs> and I yeah yeah strongly strongly uh, agree with that <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah uh, no it is a good book but yeah mine very similar um untamed was an excellent birthday present <laughs> um was there any um i quite like rising strong from Brene. um i'm trying to think if there's anything else that i've read recently that i like mm, no i don't really have anything to add to that i'm afraid because they're all excellent choices and ones that I enjoy. Excellent. What are yours, Louis? I'm intrigued. Um, one of the ones I keep going back to and dipping in and out of is one that you sent me for my birthday, which was, I used to be a miserable fuck. And that was really, um, it's, it is really good. As, as horrible as the title sounds, Amelia <laughs> assured me that it wasn't because I was miserable. Um, but the, um, it's just like short, sharp, insightful and it's like a page or two and it'll be do's and don'ts and he's a he's a therapist um quite a blunt therapist and it's about his life experiences but it's about how to be a, a better man um so i really like that one and then i've just been noting down um both of ruby wax's ones that i've enjoyed sort of frazzled and how to be human i thought they were really really nice and it's about through her journey through um depression and sort of her exploration through that into her st- studies as well uh one of the ones that on, on that note, Louis Theroux did a podcast with Ruby Wax that you'd really like just while we're on here. And Louis Theroux's got a great podcast, actually. If you're into podcasts that are not fitness, like I like to listen to non-fitness podcasts, obviously keep listening to ours. But Louis Theroux has some great episodes Ruby Wax. Um, Michaela Cole is fantastic. Mm-hmm. So that just reminded me of that because she talks about that journey and she talks about how they, her and Louis Theroux had like a issue with each other. And she talks yeah. about her, how her depression kind of manifested into the stories that she told herself about Louis, that he was, she kind of put him on this holy grail as he was the one that had ruined her career. Mm. He hadn't done it, but it was all the stories, basically, that she told herself, the voices in her head and stuff. It was really interesting. Yeah, and it, it was, uh, I can't remember which one it was. I think it might have been How to Be Human. And it's almost like therapeutic for her writing it because she's so vulnerable throughout it and her journey through it. And it was really interesting. Uh, one of the ones that I read a few years ago and I always dip back to is The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. I really enjoyed that. And it's just so, again, it, I think it helps me call myself my my bullshit sometimes. And I think it, it's a good leveler every now and then. Um, and then there were some really good um, running ones that I enjoyed that were like, just like, just nice stories. One was Your Pace or Mine. And... Uh, there's a really emotive one that I'd recommend people to listen to which is about a woman who doesn't do any fitness um, and her boss at work she's like a lecturer I think um, he does like Ironman events and she just like randomly signs up to one and he's like what are you doing and she's like well you know like I can do it um, and that's called life's too short to go life's too short to go so fucking slow um, it's a really really good enjoyable journey about her journey into fitness and health and stuff um and then oh trying to think of other ones i've really enjoyed um hmm i think i think that might be it if i'm honest um i've got one i've got one addition that's not fitness 
that I really liked called, um, well, I say called, it's most people have heard of it, called um, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. That's quite <sighs> good. And, and I say this because I used, I read this when I was in a relationship a few years ago, quite a few years ago, and um, it's it talks about how, it's very old, it's very old-fashioned, and I don't know if it would take off now, to be honest, but one of the things it talks about is how um, men, like men need to feel needed. And it's, and <laughs> It was when I was struggling to I was struggling with my boyfriend at the time, and it was like how to get basically taught you how to get what you wanted from a man by by playing the damsel in distress, right? So it was very anti-feminist, but it's things like it taught me to say to my boyfriend at the time, it would really really help me if you could please empty the dishwasher because I'm so busy and I'm just I feel really overwhelmed. It would just really help me, and he he my boyfriend at the time was like yeah. Like I, I, after a while, he was like, "Yeah, I can, I, that totally does work because it made him feel needed, and and need that and that helps rather than seeing can you do something." So you know, any women that want to try that one out, <laughs> feel free that's for like, that free tip. That's like NLP. That is, <laughs> it's a hard pass from me. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, great question. Next question. Okay. I need to try and condense this one. Um, okay. This person used to have a nutritionist in quotation marks. Okay. Um, he set me a plan every day and I ate the same foods every day and not very much. But he'd sometimes say I had to eat a cookie in the morning before I trained so I'd quote unquote burn off the carbs. Basically, he was awful. He also made me take CLA, apple cider vinegar tablets, digestive enzymes and BCAs. So it just shows how uneducated he was. Anyway, so he also used to make me increase and decrease my salt intake. One week he'd set me half a teaspoon of salt with every meal. And on these meals, I'd hold a huge amount of water retention. The following week, he'd take all the salt away and then I'd stop holding so much water and therefore lose, quote unquote, weight on the scales. This was a continuous cycle. I wanted to hear an opinion. Does this have any benefits at all or was it just awful advice? I feel like I know your answer. <laughs> oh dear <laughs> does anybody want to does anybody want to go for that it has infuriated me a little bit and not at my client obviously because she's fantastic it's infuriated me a little bit but she's a very smart girl so it's any continue anyone <laughs> it's it's hard because people can sound really convincing when they give you lots of very strict regimes and regiments to stick to because it seems like it's a magic pill and there's a huge amount of there's there's so much wiggle room with nutrition like you can get it pretty spot on with a few changes on the whole and if there's somebody talking about very precise things the whole salt things i think from my imagination that's just one for before and after photos potentially to dehydrate you and blow you up and do before and after and same with scale and measurements and stuff um but yeah it's they're very convincing that's the problem like i some of the stuff that i probably told people before i did my masters i would be shocked at now because of what i know now but um there's a lot of people who who were very convincing and who who seem to have got like really good roles in certain groups um who are spouting absolute nonsense in my opinion so it's it's not your fault like it we 
it's just you at least you're in a you're in a good place now with us and we all know that those we don't need those things to make progress in whatever we're trying to achieve mm. yeah so i think you know the person who's asked this question mindful of using names i think you know that um most of it was rubbish but the salt thing i think is what you're asking specifically if it was rubbish it is rubbish there would be no physiological benefit of it the reason that salt makes you hold water in a really simple term is that when our cells like salt follows water follows salt so like if you consume salt salt then you absorb it water follows it into into your body into your cells and so you gain weight water weight um but there's no there's no physiological fat loss benefit of water fluctuations and and things so maybe he was doing it as a way to kind of make you get hyped up from scale weight loss like some sort of motivational technique um seems absolutely obscene and it's detrimental to your relationship with food and your health but you know that that's the only reason i could potentially think that he was doing that and the cookie before breakfast before training i mean i sometimes do that just for energy but that would be the level of you the idea that you can only eat certain foods before training because you burn them off in training is long kind of been researched and uh, re- rebutted, if that's the right term. Mm, I was just cringing at that because it all sounds very familiar. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the point, right? Like oh. another smart person. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. I mean, obviously at the time I knew no better and I just did what I was told. But in my case it was never cycling salt it was just salt went in peak week along with water loading massive I've done that I've done that before I've made I've I've done that before myself as a as a mm. person and said it to people before um yeah but yeah we learn <laughs> exactly we live and learn <laughs> yeah we do um okay uh next question yes uh how to navigate social situations around alcohol i've realized that drinking is a huge trigger for me but it's hard to stay mindful i don't drink often but when i do exclamation mark (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, i'm also prone to bad hangovers so i'm reaching the point where it's just not worth it to have more than one drink what are ways to navigate these situations without being unfun I find that it is easier for me to only have one drink with my boyfriend because he's open. Uh, we're open about my struggles, but with girlfriends, I find myself getting caught up in the moment. Any tips? I suppose similar, it's some ways it's similar to like the food discussions that you have. And we've spoken about these a lot in terms of you know you could you can set your boundaries before you go and you can say to your friends I'm only going to have one drink and I'd really like because I'm, I'm I feel better when I only have one drink and I'd really appreciate if like we can just keep like not discuss it while, when we're hanging out and that's just what I'm going to do like you can put that out there straight away um, and they're your friends right they'll understand uh, if you I mean if you find yourself getting caught up in the moment and you and you genuinely had more fun and it was a genuine thing then that's fine but it doesn't sound like you have more fun so it's very hard to do this after a drink but to say to yourself like again what will my future self thank me for put yourself walk yourself through the situation so before you go to your friends walk yourself through the situation of how you want to feel the next morning 
so for example for me if I have more than a few glasses of wine at the moment I wake up in the night paranoid to the point by the way that one night I woke up paranoid after I think two glasses of wine and deleted every picture on my Instagram that had any sort of idea or inclination about where my house was and what my house looked like because I was so paranoid that someone was going to come to my house I also once deleted a picture because I was so paranoid because I thought I'd like use the Paris filter and I was like it's too filtered I can't have that on my page and I took it down it's obscene so I can relate and I think that so the way that I would handle that personally would be like think what you want to feel like tomorrow morning you're going to feel paranoid as hell how is that going to manifest in your actions um and that like and that's easier thing to do before you go and actually sit with yourself shut your eyes and walk yourself through it so you can really imagine it also like you could also bring an alternative so I've got plenty of friends who have been pregnant when we've been hanging out and having drinks and they always bring some sort of obscure alcohol free (laughs) drink and and that's great and I've got lots of friends who don't drink who also do the same so have an alternative just so because often like if you've had a glass of wine and then you've got an alternative that you can keep in your hand then then it's kind of just gives you something that you still feel like you're still drinking with everyone else and you've had a glass of wine you feel a bit more chill and you can just continue on like with your night those would be my strategies I think Mm. Mm -hmm. yeah I'd I'd agree the one thing that because I used to be the person who didn't drink at all but I'd still go out and it gets easier once you realize what serves you best and it's like it get these conversations get easier and once people understand that's a boundary for you then it is one of those things where it's just accepted and it's not made a big deal of it might be feel like it's a big deal the first time around but once they realize that you're doing this from a position of self-care and what you want to achieve then they'll support you in that and there might be the odd jest or joke or whatever but it's probably not coming from a bad place so just setting those boundaries clear and they'll respect they should respect you enough to respect the boundary as well so there's nothing wrong with it like it's a form of knowing what's best and serves you and like Amelia said visualizing how the two options could go whether you have one and the next day you like you feel better more productive all these types of things or if you do go past that mark and you feel worse the next day and have a really bad hangover I get stinking hangover so I can totally empathize with that um but yeah it's 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 great that you've realized that it doesn't serve you and you're willing to take that step because I think it's it's quite easy a lot of time for people just to be like well you know I have to and it's like no you've actually got a choice that you can make and owning that choice is really really empowering for people Mm. I when I was struggling because I've got a, a friend who's the like drink equivalent of a feeder I don't I don't know what you'd what you'd call that <laughs> but you know someone that just like tops up your glass when you don't even notice so you don't have a clue how much you've drunk um so I just ended up driving over to hers and taking something else for me to drink and be like oh no I've got to be up early in the morning or and she yeah like like Louis said there there was a few comments but as well I think it's a case of realizing that you can have a good time with friends and not drink it doesn't need to be an element of a night out. Mm. Oh, it's my question. Let me just get them up. Um, so this one is an interesting discussion point, and I'll push it to Amelia first. So 
A friend has been advised to lose weight by the GP for health reasons. How do I support this friend in weight loss when they seem to be self-sabotaging? Oh, oh, there's so many points in that short little question. Okay, first thing I would say is taking the first part of that question. Support them in a way that they want to be supported, first of all. Do they want your support? This is the first question. Because sometimes we can, when we feel that we know more than other people, which you probably would probably do in this situation we can want to impart our knowledge and fix things because we want to help and sometimes that's not helpful so make sure that your opinion and your support is wanted in that way and then think about all the kind of process-based goals and habits that you have but through working with us and think about how can I support this person in those things so I'm taking weight out of the equation think about things like maybe you could go for walks together socially distance walk maybe you could when we're allowed, you can invite her around for tea and cook some really nice um, food that you can shoot, like that she can think, well, I would maybe like to cook that for myself, for example. Um, you could talk about like what you feel that you get from going to the gym or from the type of exercise that you do. And maybe you could go with her because maybe, I don't know if this person goes to the gym or not already, but maybe she doesn't and maybe you or he doesn't and you could go with them. That could be a potential option, I think speak to them and find out and say you know I would love to support you in this do you, do you feel that there's any way that I could support you and and I think that's the best place to start and very much don't think about weight for you to support her think about all of the things that you think will make her feel healthier and happier and those are the, the concerns um in terms of self-sabotage right there's so many reasons why someone might self-sabotage and I know I put something up on Instagram about this the other day and on the EIQ page as well because self-sabotage is kind of like this uh, like this go-to for a lot of people and say oh self-sabotage and it's often not self-sabotage often it's because people are not that motivated to change you have to be in the right kind of stage of behavior change to think right this is it now I'm ready to make these changes and, and sometimes people are not and so they don't stick to it. And it's not self-sabotage. It's just that they're not ready to make that change yet. Um, so we need to be careful of using that term when it's not. Things, often, we usually, we self-sabotage because we're. it sounds really counterintuitive, but because we have fear of succeeding. So it's potentially what could happen at the end of that point. What What is she potentially scared of? that is going to come with her continuing to lose weight um and it sounds odd so it might be for example the classic I'll be happy when I reach this goal weight or I'll be healthy when I reach this goal weight or I will go start dating when I reach this goal weight they're all quite scary things and even if it's not a conscious thing you can often fall back on your diet because you are terrified of reaching that and we see this as well with um, the opposite way around if you've got people who potentially are trying to gain weight or get their period back and it's like I'm not going to let myself get my period back or I'm not going to push myself to this point because my identity is what I am right now or when I get my period back that means that I have to take responsibility for, I'm taking responsibility for my health or there's lots of narratives and again I, 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 I talked about the other side of it on my Instagram the other day but it could also be when you're looking at fat loss or weight loss that you have developed an identity of who you are based on your body. 
And that's, you see this quite a lot. And one of my clients, we've had a lot of frank discussions about this, actually, that she felt like her identity was the uh, the kind of the person in the larger body and she like she was fun and all of these things. And, and so it felt like when she lost the weight, it was like she felt like she was losing her role and her identity. And this is a really hard one to unpick because, again, we speak a lot about, and Untethered Soul is great for this, actually. Um, so is Eckhart Tolle. Like, the idea that you are you, you are your soul, you are not your body, you are not your thoughts, you are not a coach, you are not a wife, you are you. Uh, and it's getting from the place of saying, I am my body and therefore I can't change my body because then if I change my body, then I lose myself, to saying, I am me, this is what I value, this is what I know, this is my true self taking away all of these what we call interjected values from other people so values that people have put onto us taking away all of these kind of conditions of worth that say you're only lovable when you're in this body or when you do x y and z and really looking down to yourself and saying this is truly who I am and it's a lot of work and it's a lot of stuff that we do with people it's what therapy is um yeah and so once you feel comfortable with that it's a lot easier to allow your body to change because you know that that doesn't change anything about you as a person you're not clinging on to this narrative that your body that you are this body and so when you potentially then start to lose body fat or gain body fat whatever it is you still feel quote-unquote zen like you still feel pretty much at ease because you know that that's not you you're not losing anything so I see that a lot in terms of the self-sabotage things but it is usually this kind of idea of the fear of success in some way so that's that's not something that potentially you can unpick with your friend but it could potentially spark some conversation and you could have a chat about it it's not normally something we're aware of though which is why it can be sometimes so triggering um so that would be my thoughts I don't think anything more needs to be added there. <laughs> um, one of the things that you just said, I, I think I might have said this on the podcast before, but I can't remember. And it was about, um, I watched a really interesting TED talk on procrastination, where he spoke about um, the reason that we procrastinate for an exam, for, for example, is that if we procrastinate, therefore we can't give our full effort. Therefore, when we fail, we've got an excuse already made. And that sort of fear of failure, so therefore we've got a ready-made excuse, allows us to. So if you're almost self-sabotaging or not doing desirable behaviours, you can delay the time point until you have to make that change and go, well, I haven't lost weight because, oh, well, I didn't try anyway because I wasn't doing all these things. When if you, you've almost got that fear built up inside you of, well, what if I do all these things and it doesn't work? I don't really want to find that answer out. And it's um, it was a really interesting video, but it's it's almost like what, that phrase. I can't remember where it's from. It's like, well, well, what if what if I fall? And it's like, well, what if you fly? And it's sort of like the fear. And we always sort of almost flip to the negatives when actually we can flip to the positives as well and sort of explore that a little bit as well. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. I really like that. I forgot that that's a really nice way of putting the procrastination thing. I think. Um, I think in terms of working on that individually, you know, you can look at things like, I, uh, you know, what would the scenario be if you trusted the fact that you could do it? What would the, that look like and what would that feel like? Um, what, like, again, you know, I know Anna loves this, like limiting beliefs. What limiting beliefs do you have? What evidence do you have to support that? 
and what evidence do you have to reject that? And again, like these are not necessarily things that you'll have a kind of open conversation with your friend about, but there are there are little things that you can be like, oh, I was listening to this, and sometimes we feel like we're going to fail based on our limiting beliefs. But, you know, you can have these kind of open discussions, and I encourage anyone who's feels that, that they're stuck in something, whatever it is, it doesn't have to be body, it can be anything, to actually think about that and think about what are you scared of? What are you holding on to? And the ego resists change. Ego hates change. And so it will do everything it can to bring you back to where you're at right now because it it's, doesn't like it. So often that's when our behaviours are like, keep pulling us back to where we are right now. Because, but ultimately impermanence is life and change is good usually it moves us forward but it's I think that's the thing like once you accept everything just changes all the time especially your body your body changes and that's great it's normal I think that life gets a bit easier when you just accept things change like that and you don't try and cling on to everything but that is not in our nature for sure awesome okay my turn um, okay, firstly, I can't remember, weirdly, if it was you or Anna who talked about orange maltese or bunnies, but thank you for introducing <laughs> me to them, they're amazing. <laughs> Weird. More than um, welcome. <laughs> my job. <laughs> so I would keep you around, Anna. <laughs> um, okay, in your reply to me last week, you said that a lot of clients struggle with the balance between wanting to eat for hypertrophy, but also wanting to eat to fullness. It would be great to hear your discussion and views on this on the podcast. So I don't know if you guys get this as podcast, eh, podcast clients, and I, but I do, and, and I get it on Instagram too, is people who um, know that they need to potentially eat into a surplus to support muscle gain, but are trying to be more mindful and intuitive with their eating. And so when they get full, they feel like they should stop eating because they feel full but potentially they haven't eaten all their protein for example um and so there's this kind of debate in their head about which way to go with that and i don't know if that's something any of you have come up against before or have any thoughts on I'll throw it out to you first um i'll go oh yeah i'll go um so it's it will feel a bit almost counterintuitive, but going for more palatable foods, which are over easier to almost overeat on. And my two go-tos would be sort of like protein bars are a good way to go because they're usually quite palatable. And that's also a good way to get more protein in. And liquid calories as also can be really helpful in um, just having that in between larger meals potentially. And they're not as filling. Um, so it's probably a wise idea to look at sort of your more satiating or filling foods, voluminous foods that you're potentially eating right now and maybe reducing them slightly. And if you are looking to increase you, your protein servings, probably won't change a huge amount throughout the day. You probably won't increase that a huge amount. But if you're looking for a calorie increase, then looking to probably up your fat is probably a good way to go as well because you can use dressings and stuff. So having a look at the marginal gains elsewhere. So if you're on a 5% yogurt or a semi-skim milk, going for a full fat version of those, going for um, like sweet or cal calorific beverages as well, that can be a good way to increase your calories. Um, and they're the sort of easiest ways around it, I'd say. Yeah. I, yeah. I think yeah. you're right. Like, I think even if we take, for a lot of 
for a lot of people, the kind of liquid calories is probably, le- I would think, probably less likely to go down that route in terms of if you're looking for a few hundred calorie surplus, but you're like, I totally agree. It's like, I think often you can come from a place of restriction and then go into this point, right? And she's done some phenomenal work on her relationship with food. So we want to prioritize that. But you can still find that you still have these kind of diet and behaviors like, like what you said there, dressings. When was the last time potentially someone put maybe some some dressing on their salad or whatever it is? And often we will pack out foods with high volume foods and, you know, things like I'd say I went for five or six years never having a Starbucks that wasn't like an Americano or something like I would never have allowed myself a Christmas drink, for example. Whereas now it's like a natural if I'm going for a walk with my friend on Saturday, it's like, oh, what festive what thing have they got this week? Let's try that, you know? It's allowing things like that again back in, and I don't mean I don't mean all the time, but just allowing those types of foods back into your diet. And like you said, Louise, great point. Just add more fats into your diet. Mm. Only one thing to add that I've uh, one client of mine's found really useful, and it's based on semi based on the. I always remember ESG talking about it in the. Um, in the shakes and how obviously if you're having like a a creamy shake then it is you're you're going to feel fuller and so she's switched to the clear way and found that she's not as full and it means that she can have more at meal times and do the like you guys were saying the simple swaps and going for more calorie dense foods as well oh that's interesting yeah that's a good mm. point and i think it's it's quite a normal it is quite normal like i went a stage of really actively trying to gain weight like a year and a half ago or something like that and, and it remember, blew everybody's mind <laughs> why do you want to gain weight why you don't ask me why Honestly, I want to people diet. were messaging me and were like why is Amelia wanting to gain weight <laughs> she can do what the hell she wants I don't know like, it's a boobs but I don't know. yeah literally it, it, it's, <laughs> but it is, it's like it's like this narrative it's like oh it's totally normal to want to lose weight but god forbid God forbid you're the same level of health, but you want to gain weight. But I remember at a time really actively trying to push myself to gain weight, and I struggled with this idea of eating past fullness. And actually, I think I, I gained a couple of kilos ish. I didn't weigh myself, but then I remember being like, then I went through some trauma, and I just stopped. Just I kind of came back down to normal. But this, like now, I'm not told anyone trying to gain weight, but I am actively eating a bit more, and I found it so easy. And it literally is just. I'm just literally having a, a tablespoon of peanut butter with my oats instead of like a, just tiny little things where you get maybe an extra hundred calories a meal or something like that and you don't notice it or I'm having chocolate after my meals and it's like yes you feel full but you don't feel uncomfortably full and I've done a full on bulk before where I was on three and a half thousand calories with a coach like five six years ago and that's uncomfortably full yeah. for me like a, when you see who is it? My, my, one of my friends who works with Cal from the Muscle Mentors, and he was bulking for a very long time. And I spoke to him, and he's like, "I can't wait to like diet because I'm just I don't like food anymore." And it's incredible. He put on a serious amount of mass and he put on phenomenal shape. shape. But yeah, when you when you fully embrace the bulk, it it can be a, like a chore to get through yeah. your food for the day. I was like that. I remember seeing my coach. I was like, I cannot wait to prep. And he was like, just wait. And then I was like, oh, now I see what you mean. Mm-hmm. But I was drinking dextrose and stuff. It was hideous. 
<laughs> when I used to go down to my old prep coach, no one, and I think he probably still does. And it's probably because he is a clean eating, single ingredient only. Um, he used to he used to blend his chicken, rice, and green beans and drink oh. it. Yeah, Hon- honestly, no word of a lie. <laughs> oh my god, that's hideous. But he's like, I just don't enjoy food. I'm like, well, that's probably why. <laughs> Nobody enjoys blended chicken, rice, and beans or whatever it was. That's horrendous. <laughs> Mm, fun fun times oh my lord on that note next question <laughs> is it me is it me yeah. um oh are there i feel it's very research my questions today are there any good studies on the effectiveness of yahimbeen on fat loss or thoughts on yahimbeen in general is it illegal in the uk yes yeah. yes it is <laughs> my thoughts would be don't take it that would be my thoughts in terms of the research I actually don't know because it's not no. something that I would ever recommend so I'm not aware of it unfortunately mm. no. it has been recommended to me and I did not take it based on the fact that on the bottle it said not suitable for females I have heard mix like obviously this is just people's personal experience and it's been very mixed on the effectiveness and whether it like the side effects from it yeah I mean if you're taking an illegal fat burner it's illegal for a reason and so that's why I would advise against it and I say anecdotally that I've seen a lot of bikini athletes on fat burners, illegal fat burners, and I see what happens when they come off them at the same time as being post-diet and post-show. And it's a really, really tricky time. Mm. So I would, I would advise avoiding it. Yeah, the, I've just done a quick examine, deep dive, and there's like side effects of anxiety. But um, it's also an aphrodisiac. So... <laughs> Oh, that's not yeah. what we need in that <laughs> no. um, But yeah, it's like one of those ones that I wouldn't recommend, and it's, it's it's a bit of a dodgy one. If people are talking about that, I'd probably steer clear personally. Yeah. Uh, Louis, question. Um. Yes. So around previous food rules one of my clients and me are sort of i've asked her to look into sort of developing their relationship with food and question and dig into some of the beliefs that she holds around food while developing their relationship with food so how do you stop always going for the light or fat free version um when you're looking at dairy options and i will post that one to anna or do you have any advice on transitioning to higher fat products um i would start and yogurt's the great one because everyone always like, oh, my God, it tastes amazing, uh, the full fat version. So if you can, try starting just buying like a single pot, um, single serve pot and just try it because guaranteed you'll be mind blown at how tasty it is and not want to go back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> start with one thing. And that's the thing. Yeah. Start small. Half and half yogurt's quite decent, like half five percent or ten percent if you can get one of those ones or um and half zero change like your milk just change one thing at a time 
And you, you do find as you become more in tune with the taste of stuff that you feel more satiated. Like you can feel more satiated from a, a salad with a olive oil salad dressing than you do from a salad. And then whereas where you're normally hungry an hour later after your salad and thinking about food again, you don't think about food again for another two hours when you're ready to eat. And I'm assuming that with that salad you've had other things, but this is an example. Awesome. Thank you. I would just like to hear any more specific tips or just experiences of yours about meditation. <laughs> um, uh, for, for me I haven't found sitting for long periods of time good for me um, I prefer to do like active meditations or mindful movements I found them really engaging for me um, but there is an element of me probably needing to lead into that discomfort of sitting still for a while as well um, but for me, it was about starting small, finding different, using different apps that I found that I got on well with. And there was a re the one that I used is Butterfly. Um, but then exploring like different forms of meditation as well. So I have ones that I, have, that I use potentially if I'm lying in bed and waking up in the morning. And if I got an extra five, 10 minutes, I'll put one on or helping me if I know that I'm struggling with my sleep and I'm um really if i had a poor night's sleep night before i might turn on turn on the lights really early um journal and then as i get into bed make sure that i do a quick five ten minutes just to as I know that i'm doing all i can for a good night's sleep so it for me it would have been until about two years ago a year and a half ago maybe that i started doing it and it's not something that i do every day but it's one of those things that i tend to use maybe once or twice a week Mm, I hated it to begin with <laughs> because who has time to just sit and who wants to sit with their thoughts <laughs> um, but it's just like anything and the more you do it the easier it becomes um, and I think as well you soon realise as well when you need to be doing it um, and like Lou was saying you find ones that suit you and maybe have some go-to ones as well depending how you feel yeah and I I mean I agree with both of you guys like I started meditating and I wouldn't sit and do it I would when I just wanted to get the house when I when I lived with my ex and I would put meditation on and I would just walk and it wasn't a walking meditation I would just like to I just liked the idea of having it in my ears when I was walking and I wasn't really doing it and I started doing that for months before I even sat started to sit and do proper meditations and then I threw myself in deep and I went to Cali and I did like one and a half hour classes um, consistently. And then you kind of, what I think that it's the same kind of, the same as yoga, like you have to throw yourself fully into it sometimes to really get into it. And then you can back off a little bit because you've done like the really hard stuff because the hard stuff is sitting with it for ages and ages. Um, but I think if you're consistent with it, it does become like your comfort blanket. Like I... I would be really upset if someone took meditation away from me. Like I genuinely don't know how I would cope now. I feel quite anxious thinking about it. And it's and and I will only do sometimes I'll do ten minutes and then it's only half an hour. I'll never do more than that on my own. Um, but what was I going to say? It's oh my god, I've completely gone mind blank. You know what I was going to say? 
I think for some people it can be really difficult. This is not what I was going to say. But for some people who have a lot of trauma in their background, meditation can be really difficult. And that's when things like breath work, mindful movement, um, that type of thing can come in really handy because you don't have to necessarily sit with your thoughts, but it does provide a meditative experience. If you've got a lot of trauma in your background, then that could potentially be difficult. Um, but it's, it is difficult. And one of, oh, this is what I was going to say. One of our, our old clients said it's like um, reps for your brain. She said, as soon as I started realising that meditation was like reps for my brain and it was like gains for my brain, it became really easy because every time I have a thought that goes into comes into my head and I bring it back to the present moment, every single time I do that, I'm teaching myself like it's a, it's strengthening my brain. And I love that analogy. And, and she knows I, I think that's great because that's exactly what you're doing. Because it does mean then when you're in a fight with someone, you can be like, oh, I'm just going to wait. I'm telling myself all these stories. Like, let me just bring myself back to the present moment and take a breath. It does mean just before you go to eat, you can be like, rather than just go to eat, I'm just going to bring myself back to the moment and just figure out where I am. But, and I also think, and this might trigger some people, I also think people do a lot of, of meditation but don't actually do the meditation and they convince themselves that they're doing it but they're not. And what I mean by that is they sit with the meditation track on and they think about something else and they say, tick, I've done my meditation and then they carry on and that's not what meditation is. Meditation really is that active process of bringing your brain back over and over again and leaning into that discomfort. And I say that as someone who used to do that. So it's not a criticism. But if you don't feel like you're getting much from it, it's probably because you're not really actually sitting with it and doing it properly. Awesome. Let's have, um, have you guys got any kind of potentially shorter questions we could get into the last couple of questions? Mm, Louis, do you? Um, I've got one that's kind of similar to one that we spoke about earlier um, that I'm sure we'll be reiterating points, but there's a bit of nuance to it, that uh, just started a new job in an office. There's a lot of diet chat in the office. What would you recommend I do? Don't involve yourself in it. Um your internal space and your headspace is yours people diet chatting has got nothing to do with what's in your body and in your mind so i would just avoid it if people try and include you in it you can say you can have a response that would say that suits you but maybe it's something like you know i'm working on my health rather than my body shape and that doesn't mean you're not working on your body shape but it's it almost like puts the barrier up there so people don't feel that they can they can comment on it um or you can you can openly have discussions and say well i'm working on my health and these are the things that i'm doing and and, and have that open discussion if you want to otherwise you just say i'd rather not talk about i'd rather not talk about my diet and it doesn't mean that you've got a problem it doesn't automatically make people think that there's something wrong it just means that's your boundary and that's okay one of my clients said this the other day actually she said to one of her colleagues who was saying talking about her food she was like or she was trying to make her eat something, actually. And she said, that's my boundary, and I'm an adult, and if you try and make me eat something, then I'll just get up and leave, and that's my boundary. And the other person said, mm, never thought about it like that. Fair enough. <laughs> and that was the end of it. So don't assume people can't understand. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, nothing more to say on that, I'm afraid. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just wanted to touch on, because we got another question about books, um, and this this person is going through a breakup and trying to clear her mind and said do you have any specific book recommendations for working through difficult times untamed. <laughs> yeah untamed and I think she's ordered that 
yeah, yeah she's got untamed um you are a badass and breathing wilderness Brene. um the only other thing i would say is broken open the one that i got you for your birthday actually oh yeah i'm only um, a little bit into that it's yeah. very similar in parts to untamed isn't it like oh yeah i didn't really think about that actually but potentially it's about it's about broken open is basically like the idea that you have to break to grow and it's mm. probably similar to untamed it's a bit maybe heavier than untamed maybe but i do think that's a good book for get moving through like breakups and hard times mm-hmm. i'd probably strong. throw in there the um the subtle art of not giving a fuck because i found that really useful in my original one and there's some really stories in there that really resonated with me with just people's careers and life's events happening that were traumatic at the time and then good things coming from them so helping just having a few of those stories can help pull you out it's like you said we it's right to grieve and go through those emotions but having that little bit of a light going this could be really good for me which i'm sure it will be um mm-hmm. then that's a really good book as well the one of the concepts in, in broken open she talks about um like trying not to fill your grief the space of grief with something else and i think we might have spoken about this before but i think in just in terms of this topic and i mean we've spoken about this myself and this person but um trying not to fill the space with new stuff and just sitting with it is really really hard but it's the it's the best thing that you can really do i also recommended the feel it and heal it meditation i don't know if any of you know this on unplug oh no, no. i mean it's great but it's he- it's heavy if you're struggling to feel your feelings then you want to do that one <laughs> anyway um thanks everyone for your questions as always and we haven't got around to them all today but we will on the next podcast as usual and thank you both guys thank you thank you bye 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 thanks for listening to the podcast and as always if you enjoyed the podcast please make sure to like subscribe and share and if you're interested in learning more about coaching with us you can visit www.emilia.fitness or email at info at emilia.fitness and make sure to check us out on instagram Thank you.